Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Thanks for your prayers. While we were away, we were able to see Lindsay and uh, my son-in-law, which is getting easier to say. Lindsay's husband. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult, but we had a, had a great time with them. We appreciate your prayers. Thanks to Pastor Joe and everybody that filled in. When I'm away, I really have no, no concerns whatsoever. We have such a good uh, group of people here uh, that I don't have to worry about anything. In fact, in some ways, they're probably better off without me. Uh, but we are glad that you did welcome us back as well. I was born September 2nd, 1966. It was a Friday of Labor Day weekend. Uh, And so I looked up how long ago. Now I realize today isn't September 2nd, but it's getting close. And so I'm going to use these dates and these days as if it was September 2nd. And so I was born September 2nd, 1966. That was 671 months ago. 671 months ago. That was 2,920 weeks ago. It was 20,439 days ago. It was 490,000 hours ago. It was 29.4 million minutes ago, whatever time of day I was born. And it was 1.7 billion seconds ago. So of all those days, now some of you have less days than that, and some of you, most of them sitting all the way in the back, have many more days than that. But that's just my story. It's, it's a lot of days. And of, of all of those days that, that I've lived, 20,000-ish days, there's only a few days that, that I remember. Most of the days just come and go, and they go on, but there is a few days that you remember, you know, your, your, your marriage, your children's birth, um, an anniversary that you forgot one time, you'll always remember that day. Okay, that was a better joke than your laughter. I'm just saying, that was a better joke than how you, how you laughed. Um, but you remember those days, and even on a, a sadder moment, you remember the day that someone passed or whatever. But for the most part, we don't remember most of the days. Well, imagine how many days have been in existence since God created the day. And we don't know. There are those believers that, and, and believers that believe in a young earth, and there are believers that believe in an old earth. And honestly, I don't get involved in it so much other than maybe a hobbyish thing, because it doesn't affect the gospel. And I've really just focused on the gospel. And there are some very bright people out there that work on these things, and thank God for them. And some of the stuff I got were from some of these organizations and stuff. But that's not really my thing. It doesn't affect the gospel. But, but however we look at it, whether it's a young earth or an old earth, there are millions and billions of days that have passed since the beginning of time. Okay, and we're going to, I'll use millions, billions, or I'll use them interchangeably just to represent. There's a lot of days that have passed, but there's one day in all of history that has been the most important day of all. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's the day that Jesus 
was crucified. There's never been a more important day in history than that day. Out of millions and billions of days since time was created, since God spoke everything into existence, there's one day that changed everything. There's one day that's most important, and that's when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We've been studying the signs throughout the summer, seven signs. This will be the last uh, in the series on signs. Next week, Pastor Rowe is going to preach. The following week, we're going to do a back-to-school message and pray for all of the students and all of the teachers, administrators, anyone involved in education. That's September 4th. On September 11th, Pastor Rick is going to be preaching on Grandparents' Day. And he loves being married. That's first and foremost. But right at, I'm glad I put that in there. But first, but, but second of all, he loves being a grandparent. And I still remember the things that he said from last year's Grandparents' Day about his house is, used to be a house of no when you're raising your own children. But now his house is a house of yes. Yes, whatever the grandchildren want. And so that's coming up. Then the 18th, we're going to begin a new series that's going to run all the way up to Christmas, and it's called Unshakable Hope. And that's on 12 promises uh, of God that we build our lives on. And so I couldn't be more excited about that. And so this is the last ser uh, sermon in the series on signs. And all of these signs pointed to Jesus as being the Son, the Son of God. So what I want to look at today are the five miracles of the cross. The five miracles that occurred at the cross. And, and uh, a lot of which I'm going to be uh, dealing with today is in the book of Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, starting at verse 45. At noon... Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. So the first miracle that occurred was that darkness covered the whole land for three hours. Now those that don't believe in miracles um, would try to, they, they, they believe in the historical account of the Bible because the historicity of the Bible can hardly be debated because we have more documents and proof that the Bible is more legit than any other writing in human history. We have older manuscripts, more manuscripts, and, and the Bible has been poured over so many times. They not, might not believe, watch, in the inspiration of Scripture that it's God-breathed, but it's hard to debate the historicity of the Bible. And so those that look to the Bible as history, but don't believe in its inspiration, therefore don't believe in miracles... So they come to the Bible, watch this, with the presupposition that there are no miracles. So they read the Bible that it went dark, and since they come with the framework there are no miracles, well, how could it be dark for three hours? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, we look at it and say, it's a miracle, because we believe the Bible is inspired, and, and we also believe we have a God that can wipe out $40,000 in debt so that a young man can serve Jesus. Yeah, I believe in miracles. So those who don't would say it was an eclipse. Well, an eclipse doesn't last three hours. And then if you look a little bit deeper, the crucifixion took place at the Passover. And the Passover time of year was full moon. And so it's impossible for it to be an eclipse during the full moon. What happened here is that darkness covered the whole land as a miracle to point to something greater. 
Tony Evans says, why is it even important? At the crucifixion, God the Father placed all the sins of mankind, including mine and yours, upon His Son, Jesus Christ, and God poured out His wrath upon Him. Jesus stood in our place, bore the punishment that we deserved. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? During those three hours, Jesus was separated for the first time in eternity from God the Father. That even while on earth, he had perfect communion with the Father and carried out the Father's will perfectly. That's why he was the spotless lamb that could take our place and, and so on. I, I don't have time to get into all of that. But for the fir first time in eternity, Jesus was separated from the Father and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you, and here's the, here's the literal word, abandoned me. Now, we don't use the word forsaken much, but we all cringe at the word abandoned. And the reason is, it's different from being lost. Lost could be an accident. Abandoned was the choice of someone else to turn their backs on us. That's a tough word. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? At my greatest time of need, why have you abandoned me? See, darkness was a symbol of what Jesus was experiencing on the cross. It was an outward sign that now the light of the world was living in darkness. And so then the question becomes, why did this darkness come? Why was the light of the world living in darkness? Why was he separated from his Father? And the answer is very plain and very simple, because of my sin. If you can look at the cross and think of the sins of others, you miss the point. If you take communion and you think of the sins of others, you've, you've, you've missed the point. The reality is, is that Jesus went to the cross because of my sin. Born into sin, chose to sin at the earliest possible age, continued to sin. He died for that person. He died for our worst day. He died for our best day, because our best day is still short of the glory of God. And the only way that we could see this and it be symbolized and, and lived out is through complete darkness. As Jesus hung on the cross for our sins. Jumping down to Matthew 27 Verse 50, it says, Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. And I love this one, verse 51. And at that moment, when Jesus died at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. And how was it torn? You know it. From top to bottom. If you don't understand the Old Testament uh, worship experience, it was something like this. It was either a tabernacle, which was transportable, or the temple, which was more permanent, and there'd be the outer court, and there'd be the inner court, and then the most inner part of the temple was what? The Holy of Holies. And that's where God would come and visit his people, where the high priest would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people, and God would forgive their sins for that time, the Day of Atonement. Okay? But only one person could go into the Holy of Holies, and they had to go through ceremonial cleansing because in themselves they were impure. So this ceremonial cleansing that they would go through would ensure that they wouldn't die when they went 
past the curtain. And, and I, I mean, in my sick sense of humor, uh, I think it's funny that God, dude had to put bells on his robe and they tied a, a rope around his leg. You know this, right? And so if he's in the Holy of Holies and he's offering the sacrifices and you hear this ding-a-ling, 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 however a bell sounds, you know that everything's okay. And then when it stops and you go, hey, hey, Joe, you, you okay in there? And Joe doesn't respond. That's because he wasn't cleansed properly and they pull him out on the rope. So powerful is the presence of God that apart from miraculous cleansing, no one could enter the presence of God. That's why Jesus, you understand this, that's why Jesus had to come as a man. Because if he came to earth as God, the earth would be destroyed. Okay? Every human would die. And the earth would be destroyed because the earth is corrupt because of sin. So he had to come as a man to veil his, his, uh, his, his nature so that everything around him wouldn't be destroyed. Okay? So we have this veil that was there. So only one guy could get in and nobody else could. So what happened on the cross when Jesus died, because it says he gave up his spirit, at the moment that he died, this veil that once separated was torn from the top down. God tore this veil. So now the, the presence of God wasn't just for the priest, but it was for the people. Isn't that awesome? The presence of God, not just for the high priest representing the people. Instead, the presence of God was for all people that come through the curtain of Jesus. You see? Now, those that haven't come to Jesus can't experience the presence of God in the way we can experience the presence of God. Can people that don't believe experience the presence of God? I'm not going to limit God or, or tell him what to do. But what I am saying to those that believe, we have the privilege of his presence in our life at any moment because we can now enter into the throne room of God. That's a miracle. It's a miracle. The miracle isn't just that it was torn from the top down. The miracle is, is that God would allow us into his presence. As wicked and as sinful as we are. Because when we go into his presence through Jesus Christ, he doesn't see us as wicked and sinful. He sees us as forgiven. And he sees the finished work of Jesus Christ. And we can now enter into his presence. And all God's people said, Amen. Now that's not an all God's people, the sermon is over. That's just all God's people, that's good preaching. Ian just whispered to Pastor Joe and Val, I'm so glad I stayed for this sermon too. He just said, he just said, I couldn't imagine it being any better than what he preached online. But now I'm experiencing that it's even better. First time I saw Ian, he walked in the door and I was sitting out here waiting for him. And I insulted him. And he took it well. And I said, we're going to support this guy. <laughs> I can trust him. And I'll tell you why. Seriously, he's confident enough in himself that he didn't wilt. And he's confident enough in the call of God that he didn't wilt in meeting someone and, and, 
in a new situation in a new time and, and uh, meeting whatever. So anyway, all right. So the veil of the temple had always shown to the people that approaching a holy God was impossible. The veil being torn shows that a holy God is now approachable because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. All right, Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. Write it down if you can't turn there quickly. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, our weaknesses, plural. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Okay? So the high priest understands everything that we go through because he's been through it. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Verse 16 now. So let us, because all of that is true, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. That's for all believers. Whoever wrote Hebrews is saying, because of what Jesus did, he's the high priest, he's experienced what we've experienced, because he has paid the ultimate price, because he is the mediator between God and man, now you can enter in to the throne of God. And it's there you will receive mercy and we will find grace, and I love this phrasing in the New Living Translation, to help us when we need it the most. God helps us. We can go into the presence of God, into the very throne room of God, and He will help us when we need it the most. And I don't know if you've had one of those days. I don't know if you've had one of those weeks. I don't know if you've had one of those years. But He's there to help you when you need it the most. And you can go right to Him. This is significant. This is significant. And what separates Protestant Christianity is you don't need any other mediator to get to the Father. You can go to the Father because of what Jesus has done. What does that mean? It means you can pray and you don't have to be in church. You can pray in your car and God hears you. You can pray at home and God hears you. You can pray in church, and you should come to church. Let me tell you this real quick. A little parenthesis, and I'll get right back to it, I promise. Because Pastor Rick's having chicken parm to the glory of God. He is the best German-Italian I have ever met, <laughs> honestly. And over the Alps Italian, glory to God. I think I've been a positive influence on him, to be honest with you. <laughs> Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? No. No. You get to go to church. And I used this illustration in the membership class if you watched it online. Imagine a football player all dressed up in all of his football gear. And he's got the helmet and the shoulder pads and the thigh pads and the hip pads and the other pads and the spikes and everything else that he needs. And he's just running around, just running around hitting people. <laughs> running around hitting, well, I might not hit Jordan, but just running around hitting people. Okay, run around hitting people. You're like, what are you doing? I'm a football player. And what, what do you ask? Where's your team? You look ridiculous. You need a team. And yet believers think they don't need the church. And you're running around, you're doing your own thing, and you're running into people, and you're like, but what are you doing? Well, I'm a, I'm a believer. Where's your church? You're part of a team. 
You still have the equipment. Yeah, you can have the equipment. You can run around all you want. You're still not making any progress. You're, not, you're still not accomplishing any of God's purposes. See? You're a football player without a team. See? That's why membership is so important. Okay, there you go. That was free. Ian, you didn't get that one before. And Ian's like, that is the greatest illustration of the church I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Hebrews 10, I don't know if I read this yet. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. The veil. All right, I got to keep going. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain. You see it? Into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. That's how we enter his presence. We've been cleansed from sin because of Jesus. We can go into his presence because the veil has been torn. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Come back September 18th. We're going to talk about the promises of God and the unshakable hope that we have. Okay, number three. Earthquake. The earth shook and rocks split apart. Jesus' death was not just another man or human. It was the Son of God, the Word of God, the Logos of God that spoke everything into existence. It was through His Word and through Him that the world was formed. And I love this song. I can't remember the exact title of it, but it's... it's uh, oh, it's, it, it, I do. It's called Because of Who You Are. Because of Who You Are. And it was written by Bob Farrell of Farrell and Farrell. If you're from my generation, you know that uh, Christian group. He, he, he said this, and he, he wrote this. God gave this to him as he was just laying on his bed thinking, songwriter. He wrote these words. You spoke the world, and all the worlds came into order. You waved your hand, and planets filled the empty skies. When that Son of God died, even His creation shook at the impact and the force and the power of the death of the Son of God. Darkness, veil, the earth shook. This wasn't another event. This wasn't another day out of millions and billions. This was the day that everything for all eternity changed. It was through the cross that in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Hebrews chapter 2, because God's children are human beings made flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Now who is the prince of the power of the air? Who controls this wicked fallen earth? Satan. 
Satan trembled at the death of Jesus Christ. And the earth shook. Glory! Glory to God. The most important day in all of history. And I pray with all my heart that today is the most important day in your eternity. The fourth miracle. This one's funny. Do you know what the fourth one is? Dory, you know because we talked about it. The fourth miracle of the cross and why is it funny? People that were dead were raised back to life. They're looking at Uncle Vinny. Uncle Vinny. I was at your funeral. We had chicken parm. What are you doing? Aunt Mary. I was at your funeral. We had big ziti, meatballs. What are you doing? Here they were. Now, the question was around the kitchen table the other day, did they receive their glorified bodies there or their regular bodies there? And I wasn't sure, but I'm de I've decided, and I could be wrong. I've been known to be wrong. It's been a long time, but I have been wrong before. I don't think they received their glorified bodies. I think they died again, okay? Here's why that's significant. Because they came out of the tomb like this, like Lazarus. A miracle that no one could deny. And so, watch. And the tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. They went into the holy city. <laughs> Picture that. And appeared to many people. A miracle. They were dead, dead. We don't even know how long they were dead. Imagine Uncle Vinny. Uncle Vinny had to die. He didn't give enough money at the wedding. <laughs> now that's funny. That there's funny. Ian's like, that is the funniest joke I've ever heard in my life. Tony Evans says this, Jesus had defeated death. And here's the point. This was just a small picture of the future resurrection for all believers in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This miracle was also a sign. This is what's going to happen to all believers someday. Because why? Death has been defeated. Because the Son of God came and died and defeated death on the cross. And through His resurrection, we will all be resurrected. If you read the New Testament, it says, the first fruits of all the brethren in King James. What that means is He's the first to be resurrected, Jesus, into eternity, never to die again. But He's not the last. You're included in his resurrection, and someday through Jesus Christ, you will also live for all eternity. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout, a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Glory to God. Fifth and last miracle and the greatest miracle of all. The Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened, the darkness, the earthquake. And they said, this man truly was 
the Son of God. That's the point of the signs. Supernatural events that point to a supernatural Savior. That Jesus was not just another man born to a woman that died. He's the Son of God that offered His life as a sacrifice so that our sins might be forgiven. He rose on the third day that we might live with Him forever and ever. Now let me touch on this and I'll start to close. These guys at the cross were not novices. They were trained executioners. The Romans developed crucifixion, and I'm not going to talk about that because I believe not uh, focusing not so much on the gore of the cross, but on the glory of the cross. Okay? And we know and we've heard how awful crucifixion was. It was the worst way to die. It was humanity. Oh, it was humanity at its worst at the cross and God at his best. And they came together on that one day. These guys were trained killers. They had crucified many people. Do you know how hardened you'd have to be to do what they did? And yet, even when they saw what happened, they knew that this man was different. They weren't cowards like Peter, who denied Jesus. They weren't profiteers or greedy like Judas. They weren't wishy-washy like Pilate. They knew that Jesus was the Son of God. That's the greatest miracle of all, is when we stop living life for ourselves and we recognize there's something greater than ourselves. And that is not something, but someone. And his name is Jesus. And he's worth living for because we were worth dying for. Catch that now. He's worth living for because we were worth dying for. I've had this wrong for about 35 years of ministry. And I just got this a few months ago. That I would try to motivate people to love Jesus more. And I realized that was wrong. It's not about us loving him more. It's about us understanding how much he loves us. And then when we understand how much he loves us, we can't help but serve him. How could you not love someone who willingly lays down their life for you? Let me, let me draw you this picture real quick. When you watch a movie, what's that movie where they, they go and there's a meteorite coming towards the earth? Huh? Armageddon. Is Bruce Willis in that? And that song, the Aerosmith song, what is it? And I don't want to miss a thing. How many know that song? 
How many wish I would never sing that song ever again? Ian said, no, you sing it. You sing it all you want. You sing it from the bottom of your heart at the top of your voice. I heard him. I don't know what I'm going to do next week without Ian being here. You better just come back. Uh, so Bruce Willis at the end, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's too late. I'm going to spoil it. If you haven't seen it yet, that's on you. It's not my fault. Well, Ray, what, is, what does Bruce Willis do at the end? Do you remember that? He died. Why? So that he could save. And what were you doing at the end? First time I saw it. Why? Because we're created in the image of God and he created us to respond to the sacrificial death of an innocent person. That's why it touches our hearts when we see it on TV and in movies and we see it lived out in real life. It's pointing us to the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. He was slain from the foundation of the world. So God, when he created us and took us into time, within the image of God was our response to the sacrificial love of someone so that when we would see the sacrificial love of Jesus, we would respond to that love. It's been his plan all along. Millions and billions of days before that event happened. It was his plan all along. To send his son to die on the cross for my sins and for your sins. Now, let, let, he did die for our sins, but let's move past that and let's make it this. He died for Randy's sins. He died for your sins. He knew the worst thing you would ever do in your life. And he died for you anyway. That's the love of Jesus. So as we conclude this series on the signs, I pray that the signs would lead you to Jesus, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never heard of the love of Jesus put in the ways that we've done it or that the Word says. I have a belief in our country now that people have heard the name of Jesus, but they've never heard the gospel of Jesus because they think if I'm just good enough, I'll get to heaven. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. We still have a work to do. The gospel of Jesus Christ is we're not good enough. He was good enough and he died in our place. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not that I have to work to be saved. It's that Jesus finished the work on the cross. And then I can be saved by believing. I pray that the signs would lead you to Jesus. I pray that the signs would lead you back to Jesus. At this moment in time, are you in the strongest relationship with Jesus you've ever had? If you look back on your life and say, well, there was another time in my life where I was really whatever, then somewhere along the way, you, you've gone backwards. I want every day of my life to be the best day of serving Jesus. I can honestly tell you this, and I'm serious, there's no joke involved. I love Jesus more today than I've ever loved him before. Ever. 
My passion for Jesus is stronger now than ever. Maybe these signs will lead you back to the passion for Jesus Christ. Revelation would say your first love as never before. Because he's worth it. Whatever's led you astray isn't worth it. He's worth it. I pray that these signs would lead us to love Jesus. And when we understand his love for us, we can't help but love him. I pray that these signs would lead us to live for Jesus because he's worth it and he's worthy. Millions and billions of days since God spoke the world into existence, but there was one day that changed everything, and that's the crucifixion of the Son of God. And I pray you would respond as the Roman official, surely, surely, this is the Son of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.